Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everybody, welcome to Creature Feature, the show where we look at the world through the eyes of animals and discover what, if anything, it means to be human. Today we'll be talking about shapeshifters, tales of terrific transformers who have some shocking before and after pics. What's got two thumbs and started life out as a tiny donut? Can snails take laziness to a freaky new level? Humans and animals on the lamb. How would you escape the heat? Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, how many legs does a frog have? Hint, it's not always four. (laughs) One of the most incredible transformations occurs in the womb. Two separate gametes combine to form a new life. It's an incredible, awe-inspiring process. And we all begin as a tiny mouth butt donut. That's right, at one point in your life you were a simple little torus, a mouth, an anus, and a digestive tube. And while some may find the anus to be a distasteful topic, it's actually vitally important for all life on Earth. That's why it's one of the earliest structures to be formed. So there you are, little more than a macaroni noodle, what's next? There are three basic layers, the crust, well, the ectoderm, which eventually becomes the skin, hair, nails, and nervous system, The mantle, which is really called the mesoderm layer, which will become the lungs, circulatory system, skeleton, and muscular system. Finally, there's the core, which is actually called the endoderm layer, that will become the digestive system, liver, pancreas, and lungs. What's so interesting to me is that when you look at the early embryos of animals like those of fish, lizards, birds, mammals, and primates, including humans, they all look kind of similar, like weird little alien worms. 
In fact, humans and other lung-having animals start with gill slits, things that in fish would become gills, but in human and other terrestrial animals become the inner ear structure. In fact, gills are pretty versatile. In insects, it's believed gills evolved into wings. Fetal development is a kind of weird microevolutionary journey. Many atavistic traits, meaning traits that are an evolutionary throwback, are present in embryos like tails and gills in humans or teeth in chickens. It's a stunning reminder that we all oozed out of that same primordial chili and that we're not really a redesign of our fishy ancestors, but a fun, upcycled, reclaimed animal. Joining me on the show today is Anna and Shireen of the excellent podcast, Ethnically Ambiguous. Welcome, oh, you guys. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us. Of course. Super excited. Are you guys ready to hear about some weird animal morphine? Yeah. This is my jam. <laughs> so I like to go on an imagination journeys on the show. Um, so if you guys could transform into something, what what would it be? Like, what would be... You know, animal, vehicle, anything. Just like... Hmm. Probably a cat. A cat. Yeah. Oh, that was quick. I thought yeah. I was, was going to have you more had time. <laughs> well, why a cat? Um, I'm just very cat-like, and I like to sleep, and I like to just kind of like roll around and like rub up on people's legs. That's... Yeah, I've noticed that about you. It's yeah. very... Uh, it I know. can be a little jarring when first meeting you. I'm incredibly unprofessional in the office. <laughs> um... Maybe like a puffin, because they mm. can swim, they can fly, yeah. and they can walk. Nice. And I would have the best of all worlds. Yeah, you can also uh, fit a lot of fish in your beak. Yeah. You love that. Yeah, I love I love <laughs> some, a good, good snack pouch. <laughs> Why do you have, I have a backpack here? Yeah. Just fill the snacks. Um, well, I would probably be a sea squirt, because uh, so we've actually talked about um, this before on the show. It's this little... Uh, a marine animal. It's a tunicate, which is a type of um, yeah. well, it's it, weak. It's a it's a wiggly jelly animal. Um, so, and they go through this process called retrogressive metamorphosis, where they start out as a free moving tadpole, and then it turns into uh, what's essentially just a stationary tube that attaches to a rock and passively filter feeds for the rest of its life. Whoa. Um, why, why did you want to be that? Because it's fun to be lazy. <laughs> so you just be like fed all day and just you're like, oh. chill out. Yeah. No uh, big, just stuck on this tube. Yeah. <laughs> stuck on this tube. <laughs> um, they don't have an exoskeleton. That's what they are. Invertebrates. Oh my God. How could I? Why did I forget that word for so long? Invertebrate. So. There's a species of sea snail that goes through a metamorphosis similar to the sea squirt, um, and it never has to eat again. Whoa. Um, so it's call, called a gigantopelta chisoya, which I'm, I'm sure I pronounced that fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I think gonna, you like, got it right. Yeah. Nobody's going to yeah. tweet at me like, you know, like, it's actually pronounced Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Um, like like new to branches sound like they should be, or look like they should be pronounced new to branch, but I learned they're new to branks. New to branks. Yeah. I don't know any of the these words. Frank the new to brank. The more you know. Right, exactly. Um, so it's a sea mollusk who lives near Antarctica, near the thermal vents on the ocean floor. Uh, they go through something called cryptometamorphosis, which is. Uh, it's a change that we can't see on the outside, but inside the snail is going straight to nightmare land. It's wow! It sounds like my life. 
Uh, so once the snail gets big enough, its digestive system stops growing. Um, a huge esophageal gland forms, uh, forcing aside the snail's teeth, stomach, and intestines. Uh, so humans, we have esophageal glands. Uh, it's part of the digestive system. It produces mucus for the esophagus and for lubrication and to protect it from stomach acid. So mm -hmm. you've always got snot in your yeah. throat. Yeah. Um, in the Gigantopelta chisoya, these glands take on a very different function. Uh, bacteria will start to grow in the huge bloated glands that now take up most of the snail's body. Um, the New York Times uh, makes a really disgusting analogy. Quote, to make a human comparison, imagine growing from an average-sized adult to one 30 to 60 feet tall with a giant sack of bacteria living inside you. Jesus. I don't think I will, New York Times. No. But, like, giant sack of bacteria inside me. Oh, boy. That's that sounds like a that's a weird insult. Like you're a giant sack of bacteria. Yeah, <laughs> sack, sack of shit. Yeah, no, it's like a sack of bacteria. Uh, so uh, the snail will stop eating at this point. The bacteria living in its esophageal gland are in a symbiotic relationship with the snail. Uh, the bacteria produces energy that the snail cell can use. It's just like. Oh, I see. Okay, so it's feeding off of the sack. Basically, that's, that's yeah, why like it never needs to eat again. It doesn't need to eat it anymore because, like, the bacteria is doing all the work, and then in exchange, the bacteria has a cool sack to live in. It has, it has a, a house. house. Yeah, yeah. It has a host. Um, I feel like we should do that. Yeah, as humans, and stop eating. Just like have bacteria in have our like bodies. Have like a parasite. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's like eating <laughs> for us. Just be giant sacks of bacteria. That that would be a that would be like if Wally really wanted to take it to the next level, uh -huh. like show the mm -hmm. truth of like humans just being bacteria sacks mm -hmm. that don't need it that are like attached to the walls of the ship and don't need to really mm -hmm. eat anything. I could see that being like a new dietary thing in L.A. Like, oh no, I'm actually not eating because I have that bacteria sack inside. Me. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, or you get uh, yours. Yeah, you know, yeah. just healthcare. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it would be definitely a privatized company oh, yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> Like you would like make little handbags for, it, or like little like satchels, like a fa like people with like fashionable yeah. like little like iPad cases. Yeah, right, right, right. Like like some kind of oh, this is my bacteriogenic <laughs> diet. <laughs> yeah, uh, I learned it from Goop. Yeah, I got <laughs> a really cute patch for it on Etsy. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that's disturbing that's, as fuck. <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna happen though. Yeah, it's the future. Um, so this is actually a similar feeding strategy to another animal that lives near thermal vents, uh, called giant tube worms. But uh, also, can I curse? Yes. Okay, cool. I, not <laughs> that I have not been cursing. I just wanted to make sure I, I can continue. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, I mean, like, we're talking about giant sacks of bacteria, so I feel like, you know, right. if, if that doesn't make you go like, oh. Like, right. you know, that's... I just it. wanted to confirm. Yes. Because I felt silly. No, you're fine. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the the uh, So, the tube worms, <laughs> which sound about as lovely as they are, uh, they look like big, colorful PVC pipes, but they're, they're live animals. Uh, they're, that's a cute little existence. Yeah, just like, just being a pool noodle. Yeah. You know? I don't know. That sounds like, that sounds like a good time. How big are these worms? Cool noodle size. Oh, they are? Yeah, they're pretty big. Holy crap. Yeah. Um, they're called worms, not like anacondas or snakes. They're like are... eels, kind of, right? Eels are pretty big. Eels are know. big, but animals, I don't know how to break this to you guys, but animals aren't named 
based on the size category mm, that they're no, in. No, I think they are. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, you're right. Um, but uh, so they are immobile, which uh, <laughs> scientists call sessile, which I don't know why they have to. We have to make complicated words yeah. for everything. Yeah, especially with one with so many S's. It's mm-hmm. bad for podcasting. Sessile. Sessile. Um, so they also get all their energy from symbiotic bacteria living inside their tubular walls. Are these mm-hmm. is are both of these bacterias that grow inside these animals are they foreign bacteria or are they like found they're like produced in the body? Yeah, so they're they are sep- they're foreign bacteria that will uh, grow inside the bodies. So everyone has a bacteria living inside of them, mm-hmm. um, but it is technically it it's not something that like came from your like when you're formed as a baby right. it didn't come from so it's, it's not your bacteria it's foreign bacteria that just yes. sits there forever yeah i mean it's like it's in an endosymbiotic relationship with you which means it's yeah. symbiosis symbiosis but happening inside your body mm-hmm. um sick yeah it's actually why so like like babies haven't developed a lot of gut bacteria yet so they mm-hmm. can be really sensitive uh and they can't like sort of ingest certain things and mm-hmm. um like uh that's one of the reasons uh you know it's it's they tell like, you like not to eat fish or something yeah, yeah yeah because like you your gut bacteria it's also why you shouldn't get um pregnant <laughs> 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 yes yeah, so you should not get pre- no you you shouldn't get uh an enema <laughs> oh. or unless it's like medically necessary because oh. like if people do that like you can actually flush out the good bacteria right. living in your intestines and people become addicted to those so they like oh, yeah. really they like to yeah. have a clean little whistle down there <laughs> apparently like, yeah they get addicted to it because it's the feeling is like weird it's like a rush in a way I don't I mean I've never had one people but, like, get high on feeling their butts mm-hmm. but i also but i also yeah. think enemas are more common depending on what kind of sex you like mm, i you see know? i mean that makes sense i think for that though you don't you wouldn't need to have like an extreme one right right i don't i don't want to like you don't want a full colonoscopy before you right have sex right exactly <laughs> yeah. but uh i feel like I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's but I think people sometimes do these like cleanses too. Yeah. Another bad one is like like the cleanses that make you have a lot of diarrhea. Yeah, like those detox teas or yeah. whatever those celebrities like. Yeah, show yeah. Out. Like like I it's basically just a bunch of mineral oil that makes me crap for 24 mm-hmm. hours. That's it's not good for you. That's on a detox. That's shitting yourself. That's that's like that's eating uh, Qdoba too much. Actually, Qdoba is mm-hmm. okay. I, I take that back. <laughs> um, Taco Bell. What's what's an, what's a what's a good one? What's one that always gets me? I feel like In and Out always gets me. Really? Actually, yeah. Taco Bell usually gets me. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what it is about In and Out, but it gets me. Gets me every time. <laughs> it's, it's always a. It's like it's not even a gamble at this point. It's just like I will I will have to sit on a toilet just yeah. and sort of think about the decision I've made <laughs> and usually regret it for a while and then I forget about regretting it and then I go back to in and out. That's how I am with Taco Bell. Yeah. I always forget. It's like within 15 minutes of finishing food, I'll be like, Ugh. Yeah, like, oh, geez, this is a, it's a, it becomes a situation and you're mm-hmm. like, I don't, why did I put myself in this mm-hmm. intestinal yeah. situation? And then you're, and then it's like a week later, you're like, but you, you look so good. I don't know. It's like, it's like a toxic <laughs> yeah. relationship where you're, yeah. where you're just like, 
You know, it's like, oh, I've forgotten how what you do to my intestines. Yeah. Yeah, that's why we need our bacteria bags. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They'll solve everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. The freakish Gigantopeltichisoya bacteria balloon, as well as the giant tube worms, may be guides to how all complex life on Earth formed. The symbiotic relationship between these animals and the bacteria that fuels them may be analogous to how early eukaryotic cells acquired mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. A leading scientific theory proposes that early eukaryotes acquired a separate organism, a mitochondrion, and somehow engulfed and entered into an endosymbiotic, meaning symbiosis but inside of you, relationship with them. The mitochondria became the organelles that are so vital for complex life. I want to talk a bit about the incredible woman who discovered how giant tube worms are able to survive with no plainly observable digestive system living in the dark depths of the ocean, where no energy-producing sunlight can reach. Colleen Cavanaugh, who is currently an eminent professor of biology at Harvard, was a first-year graduate student at Harvard in 1979, studying biology. She was at a lecture at the Smithsonian Institution where the curator of worms was talking about the mystery of the tube worm. At this point, Kavanaugh jumped up and shouted out, well, it's perfectly clear. They must have sulfur oxidizing bacteria inside their bodies. At first, she was dismissed and told to sit down. Fortunately for everyone in the warm biology world, she wasn't the sitting kind of gal. She discovered the symbiotic connection between energy producing bacteria and the tube worms. More recently, she's challenged the current theory of the beginning of life that started with a soup of ingredients being struck by lightning Instead, she thinks that perhaps the thermal vents were the perfect place to provide fuel for nascent life. She says, The idea makes sense because some of the oldest forms of free-living bacteria show signs of being heat-loving organisms. She's made the scientific community rethink some basic assumptions. Thank goodness she didn't sit down. Well, maybe she sat down at one point, you know, like when her legs got tired. You all stay sessile in your chairs. (laughs) Ha ha. It's a, you know, an evolutionary biology joke. Uh, Yeah. Anyways, we will be right back after this message. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. 
With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Do you ever wonder where the term Slick Willie came from? Not former President Bill Clinton, but Willie Stutton, the slickest bank robber, trickster, and prison escapee ever to walk the streets of New York. By some, he was considered to be a Robin Hood-like figure, stealing from the rich to give to, well, himself. He never murdered anyone and, in fact, was purported to carry an unloaded gun to his bank robberies, worried that someone might get hurt. Other than his genteelness, he was remarkably, well, slippery guy. He was put in prison in 1931, only to escape a year later, smuggling a gun and holding a prison guard hostage until he could get his hands on a ladder to escape. This was his most brute force type of escapade as he became increasingly crafty. He and an accomplice tried to rob the Corn Exchange Bank and Trust Company. Willie was disguised as a postman. This attempt didn't work, though they later broke into the bank through a skylight successfully. FBI records state, Stutton also conducted a Broadway jewelry store robbery in broad daylight, impersonating a postal telegraph messenger. Stutton's other disguises included a police officer, messenger, and maintenance man usually arrived at banks or stores shortly before they opened for business. Stutton was caught again in 1934 and sentenced to 25 to 50 years in prison. A year later, he escaped via a tunnel but was caught the next day. This time, he was sentenced to life in prison, but two years later, he escaped again dressed as a prison guard. When the searchlight landed on him, he yelled, It's alright! So nobody stopped him. Cool. He even made an attempt to escape from prison by using a dummy head. Over years, he carefully crafted a shockingly lifelike head and hand out of plaster. He used plaster he likely stole from the prison dentist, real human hair collected from the barber shop, real eyelashes and paint from God knows where. He put the head on his pillow and the hand on the bedsheet to make guards think he was still tucked in bed while he was actually trying to escape. Unfortunately, his escape was foiled by a group of bumbling inmates who were also trying to escape and who were much less artful at it. When animals are feeling pinned down by the fuzz, they often have incredible escape strategies, including transforming their bodies into amazing disguises. To see the absolute master of this, we're going to go underwater to meet a really, really slick Willie. <laughs> Wait, like, do you guys want to see the... Uh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, I'm curious. Cast. I was literally just thinking, how does one, like, did he paper mache it? Yeah. It's plaster, and it's actually really good. And I feel like maybe he uh, uh, he might have used his own face as a model. So there it is. What? Whoa. Yeah, I think he, well, probably, like, he had a buddy, like, put it over his face. Whoa. And, like, dipped his hand Whoa. in the, made, like, a plaster cast of yeah, his hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's pretty impressive. Yes, it is. And it's like, 
Also, the paint job is pretty good, too. Like, it's it's hard to do sort of human skin tones. I don't know how he did that. Yeah. But, like, apparently he took years to do it. This was on the Antique Road Show, and it's like... Oh, really? Yeah, it was like, it's also made out of human hair and eyelashes. So. That's disturbing. How yeah. much did it go for? Ah, uh, I wish I remembered. Probably They're probably something like, well... If it was in its original condition, yeah. it would have been $2 million. Yeah. But because there's a small scratch under the left nostril, eh, it's actually costing you money. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Classic Antiques Roadshow. God, I love, I mean, I used to love that show and like just, but there was something about like watching the light go out of yeah. an elderly person's eyes as they realize their antique furniture like that they refurnished like is now worthless. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's it's art. I think it's art. Like how when they're always like, oh, yeah, I don't think this is real. And then they're just like, <laughs> I've never oh, seen Antique Road. You could watch it for hours because the stuff is so random. It is. It's like it's like here's an 18th century dildo, and now here's like a yeah. Actually, they don't. Know. But then there'll be like people who come. I was gonna in. say I'm gonna watch now. <laughs> <laughs> there'll be like people who come in and go like, this is a letter my great great grandfather wrote to my great 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 whatever grandmother. On Hitler stationery, right when they like broke into his office and saw that he'd like been killed, and you're like, "What the fuck? <laughs> How did you get that?" But That's also, that insane. can't be real. Well, my grand, my grandpa was a Nazi. Yeah. It's like, oh, kido. Oh, that's how it's real. And also, like, who like goes into Hitler's office? It sounds like, I guess I'll just write a note to my wife. Just like, <laughs> yeah, like has like Hitler's like, like fingerprint on it yeah. or like something. Hitler need no underpants. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're like, have become what is soiled. This? That's probably worth more money because you're painting. like, yeah. His, oh yeah, it's like poopy underpants. Yeah. Uh gross. <laughs> so there's actually there's this reality show I've been watching called Hunted. Um, mm. There's a BBC version and I guess a US version, but I've been watching the BBC version, and it's like you have to like go off the grid. Uh, so uh, like they make people like, oh, you're being hunted by the government and like mm. we're going to use all of these like creep like and they have so many like like those CTV cameras mm-hmm. uh, in the UK. Like I feel like they're even more highly surveilled than here in the US. Although, really? well, maybe just in terms of the cameras, um, may- all the cameras we can see that is if you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. But like um, uh, so they have to like. The goal is, like, they'll win, like, a half million dollars if they can, like, make it through a week without being found after being dropped off. And it's a really creepy show because, like, barely any of them can do it because it's, like, it's just, like, oh, look how much the government can, like, surveil you. (laughs) Like, they can. Have you seen an episode where someone made it? Uh, I haven't. No, not yet. Wow. They always get caught. Pretty much. I haven't seen, I mean, I am not through the season yet, yeah. so maybe someone makes it, but so far everyone's been caught and it's stuff like, like we got, you're like riding on the train and we got a picture of your face through like a camera and like. What if you just like stayed put the whole time? Is that yeah. not allowed? Well, I mean, I thought about that. Like if I, like I feel like, I mean, I don't know how much prep time they're given, but I feel like mm-hmm. I would give, I would find a body double mm-hmm. and then have like- them do all the things like take like you get like a bank card that you're allowed to use but then they can track the bank card mm-hmm. so every time you make a withdrawal they can see where you are so like you can't use cash i no? mean you can no. withdraw cash from the uh, atm but they'll like, know where you were right exactly Damn. 
Damn. Uh, and it's it's crazy like how much they can like they can read like license plates and like all like they have mm-hmm. drones that they can use and wow. like he d- it's just I feel like the show is meant to be like see how cool like government crime fighters are and to me it's just like this horrifying yeah. dystopia of like to me it's like if like never commit a crime or need to do this in real life you will get caught right right yeah, yeah. do you think the guy with the plaster head what's his name slim willie stutton willie stutton do you think he would have been caught i don't know he was pretty like he had the kind of charisma where he was able to tell prison guards like it's okay when he was escaping oh my god like because he was like dressed as a prison guard and like a spotlight was on him he's like it's all right yeah nothing to see here it almost sounds like i mean not not the same caliber of crime, but like Ted Bundy almost was like charismatic enough to escape yeah. multiple times, and yeah, right. like he literally like jumped out of a window, like out of a court one time, yeah, and was fine, and was like was gone for like a week, yeah. The the yeah. Cur- like he was able to like be his own lawyer and without any right. handcuffs or yeah, anything, and the and the judge was like, I- I'd hire you. It's it's yeah. crazy messed up how like. It's messed up how far a charismatic white guy can yes, get. Yes, yes. Yeah. Like a, a sort of mediocre white guy can get away with so yeah. much, like just by being like, no, 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 it's okay. And he's got yeah. like piles of human heads yeah. behind exactly. him. Exactly. Yeah. You guys wanna you wanna look at like a non serial killing master of deception? Yeah, who, I wanna see the Willy of the Ocean. Yeah, the slick Willy of the Ocean. Um, so the mimic octopus is one of the most incredible um cases of animal mimicry I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's uh so octopuses um can change their skin color and even the texture of it. So they're kind of like chameleons but way quicker um with way more precision. Um like you know how people think like oh chameleons when they walk on like a different color they can change their color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's not true, but uh octop- It's not. No, no. I mean, they they can change they can change their skin color a little bit. It's usually more in terms of like when they're mating or their mood. Like oh. they can change mm. their skin color, and they can change it a bit to match tree bark. But they don't have like a vast repertoire of like yeah, colors they can, they be can like change. Bright right. pink if they're walking no. on like a sheet or whatever. That's right. Um, but octopuses and cuttlefish are more like that. Like I don't. It, it depends. So it's like I don't know if they can turn bright pink, but mm-hmm. they can uh, change their. Uh, uh, skin to patterns that they find so uh, you can see their skin like pulsate in real time like Whoa. an lcd screen uh, to match their surroundings so even artificial surroundings like a checkerboard uh, cuttlefish will attempt to make black and white squares on their bodies holy crap like it doesn't quite match up they're oh. not like but that they, attempt, they, they try yeah. like you can see squ- blocks of black and white um, so the mimic octopus takes this a step further. They not only transform their skin, but they move their entire body, tentacles and all, to mimic the shape of other animals. Um, so first about this little little cutie. Uh, these octopuses live in the Indo-Pacific Ocean. Their regular coloration is brown and white stripes, and they have eight long tentacles. Um, and when they're under threat, they can ball up and turn dark to look like a rock. Uh, <laughs> they can shift their tentacles behind them, bundling them up to look like fins while flattening their heads uh, to look like a poisonous species of flatfish. Uh, they even mimic the flatfish's style of undulating swimming. Um, another trick is to hide most of its body in a hole 
and then it sticks out two of its oh. tentacles that it's like uh, the the color has changed such that there are black and white stripes on them. And then that will look like a banded sea snake because, um, like, the optical illusion of, like, you have one tentacle uh-huh. go in the hole, the other one come oh. out as if it's a snake. Um, and I the, like this guy. Yeah. This guy's clever. And banded sea snakes are one of the most uh, venomous snakes in the world. I just uh, love the fact I just can't get over that he becomes a rock. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could do that. I know, if I could too. see someone they, on the stream, like, fuck, and then turn, turn into a rock. Into a rock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would love that. They're, they also can mimic a poisonous lionfish by um, holding its tentacles out like the deadly spines of the fish and kind of Whoa. swimming like the lionfish uh. does. Um, sometimes biologists don't even know what they're mimicking. Uh, like they've, there's like, they can turn like brown and spiky and start walking around on the seafloor on like bundled up <laughs> tentacles. Like hmm. they look like little cartoon feet. We yeah. don't like n- quite know what they're trying to yeah. mimic. Like maybe just a walking rock. Like I'm a rock. I'm a maybe rock. Nothing like, to see yeah. here. Mocking us humans. <laughs> like look at you and your yeah. just walking look around. At, look at me. I'm a human. Stocks and bonds. Stocks yeah. and bonds. Yeah. Cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> I breathe air. Duh. Yeah. Like I'm just a big old jughead. <laughs> Ooh. Like oh my god. I was like this guy's a dick. Octopus <laughs> is really mean. <laughs> Uh, there's this newly observed behavior in octopuses where they will actually collect two coconut shell halves and carry them around so when they're threatened they can just close themselves up oh my god I'm the more shells. obsessed they're so cute it's like uh oh that's my that's my also another uh-oh. dream that's also another dream just to either turn to a rock or yeah have my little safe space everywhere I go. Yeah. <laughs> like a bubble just nope. Yeah. Just like, like not today Satan. <laughs> yeah. Bye. It's like, yeah, no, no, I'm a coconut now. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see, just a coconut. So I was interested in like how they actually do the, the skin changing because mm-hmm. that's crazy to me. Actually, let me show you guys a video. Yes, please. I need yeah. to see this. Silly fucking willies. No, no. Slick. Damn Have it. you seen Slick that film. video of the girl trying to eat an octopus and then the octopus like attacks her face? Yeah, that actually, that's a common thing too in, in the wild. So yeah. like dolphins will smack octopi or octopuses repeatedly um, to make sure they're dead. Yeah. Because uh, their tentacles can keep moving oh. um, for a while. Uh, after they're dead. Both after they're dead and like even as like. If they're being like consumed and and Whoa. like so it's like because they'll you know it's it's these um the muscles can fire uh-huh. and so it's uh it's really creepy um but also like you can see like its skin color immediately change here's the uh banded sea snake memory <gasps> mimicry so it goes in the hole oh no puts little feet out it's like look I'm oh a snake I'm a snake. <laughs> That's so scary. That's really believable. Yeah. It, there it is doing the sort of like um, the uh, oh yeah that the lionfish. Um, Pretty crazy. Well, like, it would have to see these animals, right, before it mimics them, or does it have the ability just inherently in them? It's That's I th- I think that <laughs> it's kind of it's pre-programmed. So here it is again. Oh That's, my god! The little it's us. It's a little ball that looks sort of like a seaweed thing, and it's, like, oh. walking on its tentacles like their feet. Oh, my God. It's yeah, absurd. I can see how that's, like, it looks like it's just floating away seaweed, basically. Yeah. Or, like, floating away, like, um, coral mm-hmm. that got picked that's up. That's absurd. What an absurd little creature. Yeah. But they actually, so, uh, to your question, they do actually come 
uh, pre-programmed with a That's repertoire crazy. of different uh, shapes and colorations. So, so it's not just like it's genetic. Well, yeah. So it's uh, so their bodies are like an LCD screen. Um, uh, their brains send signals to thousands and thousands of chromatophores. They're cells that can act as biological pixels that can be expanded Whoa. and contracted to change skin tone. This is how they can transform their skin into a new pattern or color in a split second. Um, but like, so how do they match actual patterns? Like if you put a cuttlefish on a, on a checkerboard or you, you put a, you know, against a more natural background, how do they know to mm -hmm. like do that pattern? So biolo biologists think that when their eyes take in an image of their background, their brains make a statistical approximation of that image. Then they match it to a vast repertoire of pre-programmed patterns. Um, so human brains are kind of similar in terms of cognition. Like we have these set archetypes in our brains. So like that's how we can recognize something like a cat. So like we've, um, we've learned from observing many cats that like there's this sort of shape that is a cat and then once we see it it matches it's mm -hmm. sort of like matching to that pattern that's in our programmed in our brains but the difference is that the cuttlefish and the octopuses uh come pre-programmed with mm. these um patterns octopuses are very smart though so i wonder if they have more ability to learn so cuttlefish are able to start matching patterns as soon as they hatch, uh, leading to the theory that they're cute little supercomputers who come pre-programmed with a series of complex patterns. Um, but so cuttlefish also have this other really intelligent behavior. Um, so males can transform one half of their body to look female and the other half to look male. So like changing the coloration um, so that males facing them on one side, see a harmless female. Mm -hmm. And then females on the other side, see a sexy available male. Uh, and then that way they can attract the females while catfishing the male into being non-aggressive. Like, Whoa. hey, it's, it's cool, I'm just a female. And then, like, this is a behavior. That's the ultimate, like, player trick. Yes. there, There's, like, this behavior is pretty common amongst, like, many different animals where, like, there's like sturgeons where the male, there's a certain type of like sneaky male fish mm -hmm. where they, their bodies actually look more female. Mm -hmm. um, and they, it's an evolutionary strategy because they're smaller and they can't compete as much with the big males, but they can like have sneaky mating because the big males assume they're a female. But in this case, it's like way crazier because they can actually change their body. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're in real time morphing into like, like no 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 it's cool I'm mm -hmm. I'm I'm a female and then the other half is like not really like hit me up yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm like, curious if they if they can all do that why can't they figure it out like they're not like wait is this one pulling a fast <laughs> one on us like is this what I did yesterday yeah. with Mark yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe they're just like very very they just fall gullible. for it yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe they're just like in the moment they yeah. can't like yeah. yeah and I guess like. It is interesting because with a lot of mimicry, there is sort of an arms race. So like with mm -hmm. butterflies, um, there are um, poisonous butterflies that aren't good to eat. Uh, birds don't like them. They make them yak up. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's the mimics that are totally delicious, uh, good bugs to eat. And then um, but they, they mimic the, the ones that are. Ones. Yeah, the poisonous ones. And then. Um, but then if you have sort of a critical mass of poisonous or not mimics, like where there's more mimics than there are poisonous ones, then they'll unlearn 
oh. uh, that and they'll start eating them again. So it's like Whoa. you see these sort of populations kind of have these uh, sort of like inverse relationships mm-hmm. and like uh, sort of balance out. It's it's really interesting. It's That's like, crazy. Like, well, there only seems to be poison. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, so you have to have enough, like, you have to have enough good, it's like gambling, where it's like, you have to have enough good feedback, otherwise you're not going to do it. So I I imagine with cuttlefish, it's that their mating strategy is successful enough, where it's Mm -hmm. like they encounter enough females and, like, get successful with them enough that even though they're fooled a few times, like, um, it's still, it's still better to give it a, give it a try. Yeah, (laughs) that's crazy. That's an, I feel like I read that in the game. <laughs> you read the game? Oh my I goodness. Mean, How I, could you? I was kidding. Like mostly. <laughs> but I also, I feel like I think I did read it uh, just at, as research in high school to know what these dumb boys were talking about. Oh yeah. It was I, a mistake. I definitely learned online the terminology like. Like negging. Negging. Yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, uh, peacocking. Yeah. I mean, that's like a term that's used in a lot of things. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is kind of funny because I feel like um, with peacocks, uh, they're it, with birds. A lot of the theory with like uh, male birds showing off this fancy mm-hmm. coloration, it's like it's sort of more feminist because mm-hmm. birds are the ones that are uh, guiding evolution because mm-hmm. they're it's it's more like there's this theory and uh, there's this great book I'm trying to remember the title. It's about like the um, but it, it's about sort of the uh, the aesthetic choices of birds and like this idea that it's not 100% just about male fitness. It's also just like the female birds are like, like, wow, you're, you're sparkly. I like uh-huh. you. Yeah. Uh, and so like female birds drive evolution in, in bird species because yeah. they're like, your tail like does a few somersaults. I do like that. Yeah. Like your, your, you know, your guller pouch in your neck is are big and red. That's cool. I love it. Yeah. There are so many animals that have to do like a song and a dance to even get yeah. like the female's attention. Yeah. There's a new like, like planet earth sort of yeah. thing. Do you see that, that... The, on, on Netflix? The yeah, one, yeah, yeah, Do you yeah. see the one where the bird becomes like this top? Yeah, yeah, Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah, where he like, like just dances around and he becomes this absurd shape. Yes, and he yes. just like twirls like yes. a, like, a, like literally like a top yeah yeah like in like it's neck rough yeah. like pokes out and it looks like an umbrella that's it's spinning so around crazy and then there's one where like the birds will sort of like there's like four males and like there's one male that's like the one trying to get the female's attention and then he has backup dancers oh my oh, god really? I saw that one. <laughs> that's great it's so Dude, cute birds are crazy they're literally wingmen they yeah. are oh, oh my god nice. <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna have to do a whole episode about thirsty birds, yeah. thirsty birds, thirsty birds, and all the cool stuff they do because it is, it is incredible. They really go above and beyond, <laughs> you know, just trying to get get that get laid. <laughs> yeah, they're just trying to get laid. They're just like us. They're just trying to get laid. <laughs> they're on the cover of like People magazine. Yeah. They're just like us. <laughs> Can humans transform into other animals? Well, no. But some humans think they can. There's a rare disorder known as clinical lycanthropy in humans where you hold the delusion that you can transform into an animal. We're not talking about being a furry or having a fursona. Clinical lycanthropy is a form of psychosis that involves being in an altered state of mind. And despite being called lycanthropy, it's not limited to the delusion of turning into a wolf. 
Cases include people thinking they can transform into hyenas, cats, horses, tigers, or uh, birds. Anyways, there was even a 1984 case in which someone thought they would go through a series of transformations into animals before finally being able to return to their human form after treatment. One unlucky psychiatric patient both had clinical lycanthropy and Cotard delusion. Cotard delusion, which we've discussed before on the podcast, is the delusion that your body is dead. He believed that he transformed into a dog while also believing he was, at times, a dead dog. The patient had also had sexual contact with a sheep, for which his guilt may have been contributing to his delusions. You could say he was feeling sheepish. I know, I know, this is a serious disturbing matter that shouldn't be joked about. I'm wooly, wooly sorry. We'll be right back. <laughs> Get it? The guy who had sexual uh, in, with the sheep. Right, so uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Everyone's taught about metamorphosis in elementary school. Frogs start out as tadpoles and grow legs. Hungry caterpillars eat a bunch of leaves, bundle themselves into cocoons or chrysalises, and turn into beautiful butterflies. But your elementary school teacher likely left out some of the more gory details. Have you ever wondered what happens inside those cocoons and chrysalises? Do you picture caterpillars sprouting wings and legs? 
Sorry, but nope, they dissolve completely. That's right, the caterpillar will digest itself, turning entirely into goo, into an oozing soup. The only parts not dissolved are groups of blueprint cells called imaginal disks, which it will eventually grow into body parts, fueled by the soup of its former body. In fact, cocoons and chrysalises are more like wounds than a sleeping bag, where the caterpillar goes through a sort of second embryonic development. So do those dissolved caterpillars die, forming a new creature? Is it a kind of ship of Theseus thought experiment where you're deconstructing the caterpillar cell by cell and rebuilding it into a new ship butterfly thing? So did it die? Is it reborn? Well, here's something trippy. Researchers have found that moths retain the memories of their former caterpillar selves. Caterpillars were conditioned to hate a certain odor by pairing it with a mild electric shock. Then the caterpillars went through the typical metamorphosis process, dissolving into a soup and reforming into a moth. But these moths actually kept the memories of the smell, avoiding it as compared to control groups who weren't conditioned as caterpillars. So how do you get turned into a bug yogurt and keep your memories? It's possible that some of the neural structure resides in the imaginal disc cells that are kept intact during the metamorphosis, although it's hard to say how much of their brains remain the same. It's kind of spooky when you think about it. The moth is perhaps like the ghost of its former caterpillar self. Weird how they didn't cover this in The Hungry Hungry Caterpillar. I'm going to be joined by a real-life animal researcher to go over some of the other freaky metamorphoses you probably didn't learn about in school. Joining us today is our friendly neighborhood lizard man, Dr. Greg Polly. He's a herpetology researcher and curator at the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles County. Welcome to the show again, Greg. Thanks for having me on. So as kids, we learn about tadpoles turning into frogs, but it's one of those things that I think it's a lot crazier when you really think about it. Um, and I think people don't know as much about metamorphosis as they think they do. Um, so what did school not teach us about tadpole to frog metamorphosis? A ton. They didn't teach us a lot about <laughs> they it. They didn't teach There's anything. There's so much. No, I mean, metamorphosis is such an amazing process. And, you know, the reality is that there's something like, you know, 7,300 species of amphibians, of which the vast majority of those That's a lot frogs. of frogs, yeah. Yeah, so something like, <laughs> I don't know, 6,300 of those. I'm just, those numbers are sort of off the top of my head. So that's yeah. roughly about what it is, um, are frogs. And they oftentimes have lots of variants on this theme of metamorphosis. So first of all, not all, fro all, not all frogs have a free-living tadpole stage. Hashtag so, not all frogs. Yeah, not all frogs. <laughs> so um, some of them have, you know, this sort of standard, like they have a free-living tadpole, and then right. the tadpole undergoes metamorphosis, right? And you get the tail gets right. resorbed, and the limbs pop out, and, yeah. you know, you have a bunch of other changes that happen, and then the thing, you know, crawls out of the water and starts hopping around the wind. Like, yeah, a lot of them do that, but a lot of them don't do that. So some of them have that tadpole stage basically inside the egg. Right, and right. And then what hatches out of the egg is a little froglet. Yeah. Like, we see that a lot. And then we have situations like... There's these spadefoot toads in, in the desert southwest in the United States that they basically, the adults breed in ponds that form in monsoon rainstorms and mm -hmm. thunderstorms. And so, but those ponds, it's in the desert. They're going to dry They're up. They're going to dry yeah. up really fast. So they go from, you know, egg to like tadpole in a matter of days. And then they go from tadpole to froglet in a matter of days. So you might have 10 days, two weeks in which that entire process is completed. Wow. Yeah. And then you might have frogs, for example, at high elevation in the Sierra Nevada or in northern or extreme southern latitudes, 
um, that might actually take a long time to grow up to the point where they're going to metamorphosis. And right. so they actually might be tadpoles for two or three years oh before they God, get to yeah. the point that they transform. That's like when I think of a frog, I think their whole lifespan is two or three years. Not yeah. Just like, no, not the case at yeah. all. Like there are some, yeah. there are definitely some, there are some species of frogs that live way longer than that. Like there are some species yeah. of frogs that, you know, 25, 30 That's years incredible. is a possibility. Like actually some of those poison dart frogs, like the incredibly oh, yeah. colorful ones that we see hopping around yeah. in, in rainforests in Northern South America and parts of Central America. Some of those live up into you know over twenty years old. Wow! Like, which is just amazing to That's, think about. That is, and I, I imagine a lot of them successfully live pretty long because they don't get they they have that poison. Yeah, that it helps them. to be yeah. it helps to be really toxic. And it helps to, have to predators be deadly not to eat to you. Eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then so we think a lot about with with metamorphosis. We think a lot about tadpoles and frogs, but yeah. of course there's also salamanders. Mm-hmm. And in salamanders, we don't call them tadpoles. We just say the larva. Yeah, and which is not just insects. Yeah, exactly. So we it's totally reasonable to use the term larva. And yeah. also, I mean, the term metamorphosis, we use that for insects, yeah. but it's also true for amphibians. And so for salamanders and their larva, we see tons of sort of, you know, permutations on this theme of metamorphosis as well. And I think some of the coolest are actually, there are some species of salamanders where the adult salamanders basically maintain the overall larval mm. form. So you catch the adult salamander and it looks just like the larva, like it's right. aquatic, it's got gills, it's got a tail. Right. But they're also sexually mature. Hmm. So this is what we call pedomorphosis. So they've maintained some of these larval characters into adulthood. Are they kind of like axolotls? It, axolotl is the perfect example. Yeah. So that is a pedomorphic tiger salamander. So that is a species that doesn't undergo traditional metamorphosis and actually becomes sexually mature. So males you know, have testes, females have ovaries, yeah. and yet they're in the overall larval form where they've yeah. got gills and they've got a tail and they're cruising around aquatic habitat they're technically like babies but not yeah but they're also adults yeah so they're sort of combining the best of both worlds basically what they're saying is like okay the aquatic environment is so good i'm just going to stay here. yeah and so there are some species where that sort of that transition to being this pedomorphic lineage happened you know way back in their history yeah and there's actually some species including some tiger salamanders here in the united states where if the aquatic conditions are really good they'll stay as that pedomorphic just form kind of as an impromptu decision yeah just like the, the the conditions are right like the water's you know the water's nice and warm yeah. it's easy living there's tons of prey i'm having yeah. a good time there's lots of other individuals around cool i'm just gonna just stay gonna here stay in the water. as like a but then let's a, say that didn't yeah. you know it, that's been good for a while and then there's a drought yeah oh man i don't and then the they, pond they is can drying change. up, and then boom, they can oh, move wow. and get out. That's incredible. So, and so it's, it's like it's like within one lifespan, like evolution. Yeah, you can. There's all these sort of potential things that can happen. So, like, I guess so. The key here is like when we think about metamorphosis, it is just incredibly diverse. Yeah, and it's you know why shouldn't it be right? There's like tons yeah. of different habitats out there, and yeah. there's lots of different species, and of course they're doing lots of different things. Yeah. So you talked to me a little bit about the paradoxical frog, which sounds sort of like a Benjamin Button situation, and it kind of is in a way. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about this mystery frog? Yeah. So this is, I mean, what a great name for a frog, too. The yeah. paradoxical frog. Yeah. And it's yeah. entirely named for this whole sort Sounds of, like a like an alt-rock band name, like paradoxical oh, frog. The paradoxical frogs. Bunch um, of you, like, like electric ukuleles on there. I mean, the paradoxical frog is so cool <laughs> that I just have to assume that this band is going to be really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the paradoxical frog, the reason it gets that name is because um, the tadpoles get huge. Like 22 to 25 centimeters can be like a really big paradoxical frog yeah. tadpole. For so people, that's like 10 inches. For people, okay, 10 inches. Yeah. 
So we're yeah. jumping around, you know, depending on where you are in the listening audience. Uh, <laughs> and so this is like a 10 inch long tadpole. That's huge. And then, but of course it's mostly tail, but it has a really big tail. Yeah. I mean, both in terms of length and also just in terms of height and yeah. the tail, like it's a big tail. And then, but of course, what does that tail do? Well, that actually fuels that whole process of metamorphosis because it's such a radical change. So it's like the, the body is actually feeding on the tail. Yeah, the body is digesting the, ta- the tail to just feed this incredibly yeah. energetically expensive act of transitioning into this sort of whole different kind of organism. And we've talked about uh, sea squirts on the show before, and, and that's another process where the, the sea squirt like cannibalizes its, its own body to metamorphosis from one stage to the other. Like I think it... I will take your word for all of this. <laughs> I know nothing about It eats about its own... It, it does and doesn't eat its own brain. It eats like certain parts of its brain, but then it forms kind of a new brain. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Like if you're going to undergo one of these big transitions, you yeah. while your organs are undergoing this remarkable change, they're probably not going to be functioning. Yeah. You know, at least as well as they would otherwise, and maybe not at all. So in frogs, they actually stop eating. Like these tadpoles stop eating. Yeah. And their entire digestive tract is, you know, having lots of changes. Right. So mouth parts are changing. So Under construction, so they can't yeah. use it. Yeah. So it's just going to, yeah, you just basically cannibalize. You take all the energy from your tail, and that fuels this big change. And so that's what the paradoxical frog is doing. But what's incredible is it goes from this, like, 10-inch long tadpole yeah. to this relatively sort of small froglet. And, of course, yeah. then that froglet, you know, has all other about Frogs how big too. is the froglet? I mean, I think that the froglet is like, you know, right around inch and a half, two inches. So, okay, that's like, that's like one tenth. Of, yeah, so yeah, you basically, amazing. you basically go from like 10 inches down to this like one and a half to two inch long froglet. But then of course that froglet, you know, it, then it starts eating and it starts right. growing and, you know, it's not yet yeah, reproductively mature. And so. Right. Um, so it goes from like a big tadpole to a little frog and then the frog grows up into an adult frog. Exactly. Up bigger, into a yeah. frog. Yep. Yeah. And then lays eggs and starts the cycle all over. That's such a kind of circuitous way to reach adulthood. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's just that they get so big is what's, yeah. you know, is what's sort of mo- more dramatic here. Yeah. Um, why do why do the tadpoles get so big as opposed to, like, because I know there are some species of frog where the tadpole is roughly the same size of the the, yeah. the new froglet, maybe a little bigger with the tail, but yeah, you can kind of so see. It's actually, there's, it's actually not yet, I don't think it's really totally clear why paradoxical frogs like why are they doing this necessarily um it probably has to do not just with the energetic cost of metamorphosis because lots of other species experience that as well but it probably has to do with aspects of their environment right you know you're trying to get to a really big size you know grow as much as you can and and it's undoubtedly the case that the bigger you are as a tadpole is the bigger you are as a frog right right and then there's lots of repercussions of that like if you're small maybe you're more likely to be predated upon right all these other things going but why specifically paradoxical frogs do this? I haven't seen a good explanation for that. It's Benjamin Buttons. Yeah. Somebody... I think it's just because they're like, <laughs> I wanted to be super cool. Yeah, yeah. Just like I wanted to be the biggest tadpole on the block. And then and they like wear little sunglasses and just cruise around in cruise these, around. Uh, lovely tropical ponds. Yep, yep. Um, so <laughs> there's this parasite called Riberia that I want to talk about. Um it's uh, a flatworm, a trematode, is that, if that's I'm pronouncing that right. Yep. Um, so it infects frogs, um, but we're not here to talk necessarily about the frog's metamorphosis, but the the Riberia itself goes through an amazing shape shifting life cycle. So the adult worms live inside predatory birds like cranes, herons, and egrets. Uh, they reproduce inside the bird gut, and then their eggs travel out of the crane uh, via the poop train. Then they hatch, the, the, the Riberia 
uh, flatworms hatch into these sort of like tadpole-like larval stages uh, with like sort of a body and a tail. Um, And then those infect ram's horn snails, which um, are also common in in the same sort of uh, like lagoon areas. Yeah, these like freshwater ponds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually, like, anyone who owns an aquarium knows how great they are at taking over the snails. Um, so, so the Riberia lives in the snail's reproductive tissue, and then it transforms into more of a worm shape. Um, so this is a, another stage in its life cycle. Then it reproduces asexually and castrates the snail by eating their reproductive organs as as you do, you know? So if you believe in reincarnation, like, let's just say, let's avoid being trematodes <laughs> and let's avoid being ram's horn snails. I this mean, does it not sounds, sound like fun. It sounds like the trematodes are having fun, but not the snails. I don't know. They um, you, they did, after all, start off, like, the first third of their life with, like, being pooped out of yeah, the birds. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, intestines. I could do it. <laughs> so then after they've castrated the snails, which must be, like, great singers and just all these castrati snails, like, oh. <laughs> Um, then they transform into another free swimming form. So that's the kind of tadpole like, uh, head and, and tail. Um, and then they infect frogs and also fish. Um, and they prefer, uh, infecting frogs when they're still developing. Um, and then they insist in the frog, not I in, uh, S I T, but E N C Y S T like assist because they like, embed themselves in the tissue and form this cyst capsule around themselves. Uh, and it's really as disgusting as you would imagine, like acne, but then you have a, a worm in there. Yep. Um, and then, um, so finally, their, their uh, life cycle ends when the frog gets eaten by a crane. Uh, the riberia emerges from the cyst, which sounds awful, and then it develops into an adult inside the bird's intestinal tract, mates with other cool hip Riberia in the area, and the whole and then gets pooped out to start <laughs> Boshian horror starts again. Um, Isn't it just an amazingly complex life cycle? <laughs> I know it's, it's just like ridiculous. it feels like a four-year-old's idea of like uh, some kind of transformer robot thing, and then and then it turns and then it starts swimming around, and then it like. Like it goes up its butt and then. <laughs> yeah, it basically is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, yeah, a little kid came up with this whole body plan. Yeah. Um, this but whole that's, life cycle. that's like not even the weirdest aspect of Riberia. It also, when it infects frogs, especially young frogs, it completely jacks up uh, the developing tadpoles and makes them grow these extra limbs. Like, and they're weird. It's not just like, like having four arms would be kind of weird, but they're. Like, also, they can be super long or really, like, weirdly inflated. Uh, Strange numbers of digits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you, like, if you've, if you've ever seen one of these infected frogs or if you can kind of explain, like, why they start growing long noodle legs out yeah. of the back of their legs. So these trematode parasites, when, you know, they burrow into these limb buds, and what'll happen is if, like, so if this is a tadpole... Yeah. It's just got those limb buds just so about to start emerging. explain real quick for the audience what a limb bud is. Yeah, so, right, so these tadpoles are, undergo, under, are going to undergo metamorphosis. And so as it does that, you know, as that goes through that process, then in the tadpole, you get these spots where, like, the hind legs are going right. to pop out and the front legs are going right. to pop out. And so that's, that's the limb bud. 
Yeah. Right. So basically part of the tadpole, but that's the part that's going to turn. It's going to develop into a limb. And so what happens is if these trematodes burrow right into that limb bud, they can actually cause it to split in weird ways. Yeah. And so sometimes what will then happen is like where you should have had one arm, you end up with two arms. Yeah. Or maybe an arm ends up being like it grows partway out and then it divides into two and then they might like have a an tree unknown. branch. Arm. Yeah. So you get all of these weird sort of things going on. And it turns out that I've actually only seen this once. When what's really crazy about this is that some of the early work that was done on this was actually done by a guy by the name of Peter Johnson, who was an undergrad. He actually started this work when he was an undergrad at Stanford University. And he did a lot of the work actually at uh, ponds that are like ponds that like I used to go hiking by when I was in high school. Yeah. And he did this. I think he's like right around my age. So I think he. this is probably this is probably mid to this is late 90s. I think mm-hmm. he started doing this work. And elsewhere around the country, people were reporting a high incidence of these like malformed frogs. And we yeah. thought that maybe this was associated with this bigger pattern of amphibian decline where we're seeing lots like of pollution. Or, yeah. And yeah. so we're like, well, what's going on? And it turns out it probably does have a link to pollution because, you know, one of the sort of key aspects of this crazy parasite life cycle is that they have to go through these ram's horn snails. They eat algae. And, and they eat algae. And so algae is, uh, yeah. Ex- extra nitrogen in the yeah. water, and that can be from agricultural runoff, that can be from fertilizers, that can be from pollution, extra nitrogen in the water. You yeah. get these algae blooms, ram's horn snails if go crazy. If you really want to understand large ecological patterns, get an aquarium and try to keep it from either being taken over by, by algae or by snails and, like, trying to balance the... Because it's very difficult. Yeah. So these... uh. Yeah, so these you get you know large numbers of ram's horn snails, large numbers of trematodes, and then you get large numbers of these crazy looking right. frogs. And so yeah, these these parasites they burrow into the limb buds. You get this weird these weird you know deformed frogs. <laughs> like Cronenberg esque frogs limping with big hind legs and long skinny ones and noodly yeah. arms. And I, I've seen I've never seen one personally, but I've I've seen photos online, and some of them are totally messed up. They have several areas where like i guess is it because they can get multiple infections exactly yeah Yeah. yeah. so like there's and what's weird like so i was what i was going to say is like this a lot of this work was done right near where i grew up this is yeah. actually in the foothills just just around south san jose and um here in california and i've actually never seen one there i've only ever seen this once and it was in it was in central texas yeah um and it was a frog that had, had five limbs although mm. the fifth limb was not it was short and stubby but it was <laughs> It was um, just flopping around. No, it was like you know. I was like, yeah, it's not so bad. You know, it's a, it was a decent looking limb. Yeah. It was a little short, little stubby, but it still had all five digits oh, on okay, it. Okay, so there you go. I was like, yeah, it's that's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it definitely impacted locomotion. But... Yeah, yeah. You probably would go in a lot of circles. Uh... Well, his, it was this one was kind of up and out of the way a little bit. Mm. And so actually, the this, okay. in this case, the frog had pretty good locomotion. Oh, okay. But certainly for a lot of these frogs, it's absolutely going to impact their yeah. locomotion. And of course, that probably increases. Their likelihood of being picked up by some a heron and by then a heron the or a crane, yeah, and then the life cycle of the Riberia. It's, it's sort of like we've talked about uh, toxoplasmosis, uh, the T. gondii or gondii mm-hmm. um, that infects rats, where it makes them like be chill with cats, and then the cats eat them, which is great for the uh, the T. gondii because uh, it completes its life cycle in the cat gut. It is clearly in the parasite's favor yes. to alter the behavior of the host to yeah. increase the likelihood that it needs yeah. to move on to the next stage. And so it's actually for these trematode parasites, it's definitely 
to their advantage yeah. to cause some sort of locomotory problem on the frog because yeah. it increases the chance that that frog is going to get picked off by a bird. Which, again, and I've made this argument before, I think is the best kind of zombie apocalypse science is like some kind of parasite that wants us to eat each other, basically. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just what we see is that if there's a mass resource out there, yeah. something is eventually going to evolve to explore yeah. that mass resource. And so, you know, the human population, as it continues to skyrocket, yeah. it's like that's that's a lot of protein out there for something yeah. to take advantage of. Zombie apocalypse confirmed by Dr. Greg Pauly. Uh, he's willing to bet his credentials on it happening. Yeah, that's, that's not quite what I think I said. Uh... Um, so uh, you mentioned to me that there's this folk legend regarding snakes shedding their skin and rejuvenation, which fits into that theme. Like when we think of shapeshifters, you know, there's something mystical about snakes and, and how they... They'll literally like remove their skin and emerge anew, and it, there's something very creepy about it. Um, so, so what's the legend and what's the scientific reality behind snakes and other reptiles and shedding their skin? Yeah, so we see snakes associated both with the like ideas of rejuvenation yeah. and ideas with shape shifting, and they yeah. probably stem from the same basic thing, which is that if a snake is about to shed. That snake usually becomes very lethargic. Yeah. As the, you know, a, sh a snake's skin, when it sheds that skin off, there's actually a scale that does go over the eye. Mm -hmm. And so as that all starts to get ready to shed, they actually really kind of lose their eyesight for a couple of days and their yeah. eyes kind of gray over. They kind of become this like milky white. Yeah. And the whole animal kind of gets this gray appearance. So you've got a snake that's now like lethargic and yeah. gray and like not a moving around snake. a lot. And it, it's like this thing's going to die. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it sheds its skin, and it's absolutely beautiful, yeah, and it's glistening, active. Yeah. You know, and they haven't eaten for like a week or two as they're yeah. going through this process, and so now they're like hungry, and they're cruising around. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, it's like full of life and vigor. And so you can see how this gets into this idea of rejuvenation. Yeah. Um, yeah, like a phoenix bursting from its old skin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. yeah. And of course, the reality is that what's happening is that, you know, the snake has this, this sort of dead layer of skin. Yeah. And, you know, but that's, and this is true, of course, for reptiles as well, but that's basically this continuous layer. And there's lots of benefits to that. Like, I, you know, presumably that has, that reduces things like water loss, which is right. great if you're like an arid adapted animal. Um, and it's also like if you're picking up parasites, you know, like ectoparasites, like ticks and mites and they things like that. They can't get through that thick yeah, layer. Yeah, they're on that layer. But if you shed off that layer, you might be able to lose a whole bunch of these. I see. Oh, that's interesting. So there's all these sort of benefits of it, but it's dead skin. So it's not right. going to grow with the animal. And so right. once that animal grows a little bit, it needs to shed off that skin right, and it's right. going to get rid of some of those ectoparasites. Right. Because unlike, because like for most people, our skin is very elastic. So exactly. as you grow, it actually stretches some people get stretch marks as they grow if they grow too quickly because uh, your your skin is literally stretching for you. Um, and But snakes, they don't have that kind of elasticity. Right, yeah. And which, again, but has lots of advantages. Like, right, you right. Know, we lose lots of moisture through our skin. Right. You know, a, snake can't, a snake doesn't want to do that, right? Right. Because water is probably a hard thing to come yeah, by. Yeah, and they're cold-blooded and they have to... Uh, they kind of have to be in the in the heat in order to keep their yeah, body Yeah, so they're behaviorally up. thermoregulating, right. which is, I mean, I, I think at some level is a big advantage because yeah. behavioral thermoregulation means that, you know, 
you can get your energy from the environment as opposed to having to eat ridiculous right, right. You know, amounts of food. At least from a snake's perspective. What right. Think you sound like you're on the snake food. side here. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, a little, <laughs> I'm a little bit partial to our reptilian You're a little friends. biased, yeah. Yeah. So as a lot of people might know, like that, that whole symbol for medicine, those two snakes uh, kind of wrapped around a pole or the two snakes eating each other's tail – um, actually that one's, I think that's a different one. That's, that's Ouroboros. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the caduceus is the two snail or the two snakes wrapped around a pole kind of facing each other. Um, and you see it on ambulances at hospitals. It's this, a, a pretty old symbol, uh, of medicine. Can you talk a little bit about how, how snakes got associated with medicine like that? So I, I, this whole idea of snakes, uh, you know, snakes being associated with rejuvenation. I think we see this popping up in in many cultures. And one of the cultures where it pops up in is sort of Greek and Roman mythology. And so there is this um, symbol called the the rod of Asclepius Mm -hmm. that is a single snake that's wrapped around this like staff. And Asclepius was the Greek god of healing and medicine. And so totally makes sense that we would have this you know, this, this, his rod, that emblem of a single snake wrapped around this rod as now like a symbol of medicine. Yeah. But I think just this idea of like a snake intertwined around a stick, people sort of didn't always realize that like that's specific to this rod of Asclepius. Yeah. And so you also have the caduceus, which is the two snakes right. intertwined around a stick. But the caduceus is actually, has nothing to do with Asclepius. That's oh, actually really? from Hermes. That's Hermes' staff. Oh, okay. Um, or was a part of Hermes' staff. Was there sort staff. of a mistranslation? Or? Well, so I think it's just like, oh, we need like a Greek, like there's this snake stick image from, you know, Greek right. and Roman mythology. And it's really supposed to be the rod of Asclepius. Right. It's associated with medicine because Asclepius is, yeah. the, is the god of medicine. Hermes was actually all about commerce and merchants. Right, right. He was like the, the communications so god. so <laughs> it's this crazy situation where like we have like that snake motif, but if you actually see both of those snakes... It's yeah. just, it's really common and it's mostly in like in, in sort of Western culture. So like you see this in a lot of Europe and you especially see it in the United States, like the U.S. Um, uh, public health agency, they have their emblem is the incorrect emblem. So like yeah. their actual emblem and, you know, you could argue that maybe this is somewhat ironic given the amount of money that goes towards like medical insurance companies. Couldn't look up their like, Greek mythology. Couldn't look up their Greek mythology <laughs> and ended up actually having an emblem that's more about commerce and merchants yeah. than an mm. emblem that's actually about healing and medicine. So so true, though, when you think about it. So true. We yeah. don't. We, we can't do politics on this show. No, I'm not, not suggesting allowed. that at not all. Allowed. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, well, that's, that's really interesting. So um, doctors, you're all doing it wrong. Uh, hospitals, you have been incorrectly using the snakes uh and yeah you know i mean i'm all for like emblems with more snakes but in yeah, this yeah. case it's actually we should be going with yeah with the single snake model we should just have i would like one that's just a wreath of snakes just as many snakes yeah as i mean i think we're getting it. into like medusa maybe yeah yeah bit, like but... a medusa head that would be yeah. cool that i think if hospitals had like a really metal medusa head with a bunch of snakes i'd feel a lot more comfortable it's gonna go over it. well in the children's room yeah yeah well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, is there any anything you want to tell listeners to do? Yeah, I would say wherever you are. I mean, you know, as a curator at a natural history museum, I love museums. Wherever you are, go check out your local natural history museum. Yeah, stay in school. Be cool. Check out some reptiles at your natural history museum. Sounds good to me. <laughs> 
So I'm back with Anna and Shireen, and I'm going to show them a picture of a frog with a bunch of legs. Whoa. He just Holy keeps shit. having legs. <laughs> He's just chilling, man. Uh, That's oh, there's, crazy. So, there's so many. And there's like, here's another one. Huh. Frogs are wild. So does this help their lives in any way? No. Like, does it make, no? Does, does it hinder them then? Or does it just whatever? It, it depends. Sometimes they can just, they, they're just cool with it. They're like, all right, more more legs to dance with or whatever. Do they ever like chew off a leg to get rid of it? No, I don't think so. Although sometimes, like it, it depends like on how lucky or unlucky the frog is. Cause like mm -hmm. if they have an extra limb, sometimes it just doesn't affect them at all. Whereas like it can sort of interfere. Hmm. Like, Look at this one. He's just got like this one buff leg and this one little teeny oh tiny weird leg. He doesn't work out that leg. Yeah. I know. Leg someone dude. skipped leg day. <laughs> you got to pay attention to all five of your legs. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Leg day, leg day, leg day, leg day. Yeah. yeah, that's what happens when you focus just on one leg. Legs. Yeah. Leg day. Legs days. Yeah. Legs oh. for days. Literally, like, and wow. each leg can be on one day each. Mm hmm. <laughs> Does that happen with any other animal? Where they grow multiple limbs? Yeah, because of that. What you were talking about, the... Because of the the, uh, the parasitic uh, yeah. flatworm? I, I don't... I don't think so. I think it's specific to frogs because it infects the frog at that um, larval stage where it's like mm -hmm. they're a tadpole mm -hmm. and so it embeds in the limb bud. So that's what kind of causes that weird, like, you know, it, like, sprouts into two limbs. Although, like... Um, researchers have uh, played around with um, uh, sort of limb buds and insects and stuff and gotten them to sprout numerous really? legs. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, we don't need more centipedes. <laughs> we don't need spiders with more legs. Yeah. Uh, have you seen those? Yeah, I'm going to have to halt that yeah. research. Uh, it's just like a scientist like, more legs. Yeah. We need more legs. Oh no. Too many legs. <laughs> too, too many. Uh, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I understand. What about not enough legs? Yeah. What if we did put more legs? More like, legs? Like how centipede, but more legs. That's too many. <laughs> a centipede, but how much is too many legs? Right. A centipede doesn't even have 12 legs, they have way more than 12. Yeah. Like it's called centipede, like 12, but it's way more. I think, it's, yeah, it's, it's like. Uh, like dozens. Yeah, dozens. Like a billion peed. Ugh. A billion like peed. Like a billion legs. Uh, have you seen? I feel like are, are reptiles only ones that have that capability though? I feel I feel like like lizards can regenerate their tail sometimes. Yeah, they can. Uh, so like they can regenerate their tail, but um, frogs can't actually regenerate their limbs. It's mm. just that it's when just they're just this parasite. Well, it's right. It's just that when they're in that um, tadpole stage, like their limbs are growing, uh, um, and so like if something like like hangs out in that mm -hmm. little limb bud area, it just like it's gonna maybe sprout into two mm -hmm. legs. Wow. Wait. So something like a salamander, like you were talking about, can that as well grow multiple legs because it has a larva stage? I probably. I think I would imagine it could. I don't know if this uh, flatworm actually infects. Uh, it doesn't look like it. It looks like... Um, what, what have they got against frogs, man? I mean... Maybe they love frogs. Maybe they do. Like, maybe they're like... Unrequited love. I want to get in that sweet frog butt. Yeah. And just live there. And grow multiple legs out of you. I love it. I love your butt so much. I just want to live in your butt. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, here's here's another picture if you want it. <laughs> Just like that's a really inconveniently located oh, leg, if you know what I mean. Looks like he has a giant penis leg with a hand on it. Good for good for mating. My I God. would hope. Yeah, like some I female mean, frogs gonna see that being like, "What bow?" <laughs> Sign me up. Is that your third leg? Yes, yes. It actually, is. Yes. yes, yes, yeah. It yeah. is actually, yeah. That actually, is, that is my third yes, leg. That is exactly oh. what it is. But imagine the possibilities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you guys got anything to plug? Not and plug. don't say frog limbs. <laughs> um, I just want to go back and read anamorphs again. I'm gonna plug oh my, my third leg. We're plugging yeah. anamorphs. I just uh, remember the covers were so great. That I bought. I would beg my parents for Animorphs and just flip through them. Yeah, that's all. The covers were so good. The cover and then the little flip book in the corners yeah. of the pages where you're like, and it's a person, but now it's a bat. That's all I was thinking about when you were talking about people that think they're animals. Yes, I was like, maybe that's the author of Animorphs. Yeah, maybe Animorphs turned us into and uh, turned everybody into furries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, um, we host a podcast yeah. together called Ethnically Ambiguous. Yeah, Anna is on it. I am on it. Um, there, you could say they're both on it. It's I really great. Say we you both check it post out. it together. We're both on it. It's on iHeartRadio Comedy Podcast Network. It's on the iHeartRadio Comedy po- Podcast Network, and you can find us anywhere you find your podcast. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, our website, ethnicallyambiguouspod.com. You can follow us on Twitter, ethnically amb, A-M-B. Follow us on Instagram, ethnically ambig, A-M-B-I-G. And we post yeah. episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Yeah, and you know, it's a show all about being from the Middle East and being children of immigrants or immigrants. And um, yeah, we talk a lot about that, those experiences, and a lot of like Middle Eastern news that doesn't really get covered in the mm-hmm. mainstream media. And we keep it fun. <laughs> we have <laughs> cool. Yeah, and we have like guests that are uh, usually people of color immigrants uh, just highlighting their cool work we just had uh, some really cool guests on last month so check it out yeah and I'm at Anna Hosnie on Twitter A-N-N-A-H-O-S-S-N-I-E-H and I'm Shirohiro on Instagram S-H-E-E-R-O-H-E-R-O and on Twitter I'm Shirohiro666 nice thanks. that's super metal thanks hardcore <laughs> uh, and you can follow creature feature on the twitter at uh creature feet pod not like feet but like f-e-a-t well after this episode <laughs> yeah Hi, and it's pork <laughs> <laughs> uh and on instagram and on uh our website creature feature uh, pod uh, and we will be back next Wednesday with more gross stuff thanks so much for having us of yeah, course thank, thank you. you guys for joining me and thanks to the Space Cossacks for their awesome song Exolumina become a part of the fast growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, 
Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.